Welcome back, Cough and Bond listeners, to Podcast 24. Now, I normally do the introductions myself, but Tony Kofkin is that excited to do this introduction today, so I am going to handball straight over to him. Um, he's told me that it's his time to shine. Uh, it's it's my time to not shine. It's my time <laughs> to shine the light on uh, one of our clients for several years now, Richard Henderson, uh, who has kindly come in uh, to talk to us today on our podcast. Now, I'm going to read, uh, which I don't usually do, just a bit of uh, Richard's bio, if that's okay. Richard Henderson has made an outstanding contribution to Australia's visual culture over many years. He's regarded as one of the most distinguished living designers, a doyen of the Australian graphic design industry. Although Richard's career spans some 30 years, he remains one of the industry's most dynamic leaders and prolific producers of quality graphic design. For those of you who might not know Richard, you will certainly know his brands. If you walk around Melbourne, uh, where our head office is, and you look at the top of buildings, he has done some of the most iconic brands up there that uh, you will still see. As Willard mentioned earlier, sometimes the designers are the forgotten people behind the brands. Some of those brands, the AFL, Cricket Australia, ANZ, Australian Super, Telstra, BHP, Blue Cross, Royal Children's Hospital, Terry White, Kenmart. These are some of the brands that people automatically come, never mind Crown and Chadston and Foodworks, and etc. Queen Victoria Market. So these are brands that people know. They might not know the person behind the brands, but what we're going to do today is get some of the stories behind the brand. So Richard, you are the founder and managing director of Arco Brands and also the chief creative designer there. We've done a lot of work together. Uh, I've loved your company and the chats we have on a regular basis over the last seven years. So welcome to podcast number 24 and sincere thanks for coming. Thanks, uh, Tony. Pleasure to be here. Share uh, some insights about uh, the importance of branding or what I do and uh, maybe encourage your listeners to think about uh, the brands, think about creativity, and think about how imagination can add value to their businesses. Absolutely wonderful. Now, uh, Jamie, as we all know, as listeners of this podcast, is the chief interviewer. So I'm gonna hand over to Jamie and some of the questions we're gonna ask, and I'm gonna interject because I'm very excited here, Richard, to have you here today, <laughs> so, so I will interject, interject where we can. So hand over to you, Jamie. Thanks, Tony. So we're, we actually had a chat um, just before we started over a cup of tea and a few coffees here, but we were talking about the stories behind brands and you know how we really wanted to relay that to our clients to understand that it's just not that tip of the iceberg, that picture that they see, that there's so much more that goes on um, for people that know as well, I am just so passionate about my sport and that's where I want to start these brands off. But what I want to stand, uh, start with is something that's iconic to Australia, um, just not the sporting, but on an international stage. So I want to start with the Sydney Olympics um, and the brand that you made there. Um, and I want, to, I want our listeners to understand why that's so important because I guess that's putting our nation on the map and, and the time that that actual Olympic Games was happening because my, my generation remembers it, they remember Cathy Freeman, it, it's just an iconic time. So do you want to start with when you got notice of that brand and, and when you started, started working on that brand? Yeah, thanks. Well, look, um, we, uh, we entered into a competition for that particular brand. Yep. Uh, Ten uh, design firms uh, were engaged. And I think it's a great, you mentioned uh, sport, I think uh, it's also a great example that sport's all about teams. And uh, you know, when I'm talking here now, I'm just not talking about myself, I'm actually talking about the teams that I've been part of. 
And the work that we're talking about, and I've shown you here, obviously your listeners can't see it, but uh, can perhaps imagine the work we've done, is really a result of people and working in teamwork. So I don't want to uh, give the impression that I'm actually the creator of everything here. I just happen to lead the creative uh, development, and I suppose my, my uh, DNA is in these, but there's also the DNA of a lot of hard-working people that I've worked with over the years. Like any business, you rely upon your people. When we got the call for the City 2000 Olympic uh, competition, uh, we <coughs> there's some... You, you, you have the sporting anecdotes, I suppose, of uh, seeing Cathy Freeman, uh, that fantastic race that she, that she won and sort of put, put herself and the whole nation on, on, their, on their feet as she uh, came to the winning, uh, winning post. But Still brings tears to my eyes thinking of that. It was just magnificent. And, uh, uh, but I have the anecdotes and thoughts of the job itself, which was a completely contrast. And as you said before, the... The, um, the tip of the iceberg is those are those visual memories that everyone would have on the television, or if you were there, lucky to be there, you have that. All, all, all sporting performances have great aspects about them, but from my point of view, my memories of uh, people say sleeping uh, under desks as they're working all night to get the job done, going for the <laughs> w winning the pitch. You, know, you can imagine uh, for a, for a designer anywhere in the world, every every designer's dream is to do an Olympic Games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just happens to be the the the, the, the penultimate uh, achievement that you can do. And we were lucky; we had a great team, and a great. I had my, my partners at the time uh, were there with with me, and we we won that. And then we moved went up to Sydney. We we worked. I worked on that game for games for seven years, uh, and it was totally sort of uh, I suppose it transformed our business. It transformed me as an individual, and it certainly transformed some of the designers. So that was seven years lead up to the seven actual years. games. Well, we did the uh, our company did the bid books. Yeah. They actually got the games to Australia for a start. Okay. And then, we, then so we got did that job. Then we tended and pitched for the uh, games identity itself. And then we went to uh, one of the some of the guys went to Atlanta for the Olympics to see how they were doing it. The, the, previous games and then we went through the competition uh, we pitched against nine other design firms and then we won it and then we each time we went through with this there was the, the identity itself there's what we call the look and feel that's the personality that surrounds the games we did that we did all the wayfinding and signage we also did the Paralympic Games as well which is held at the same time and it was a huge sort of uh, um, well it was cathartic in the fact of the transformation that, that, that went for us as a design team we went to Sydney set up an office in Sydney in the in the Olympic building and all that all that sort of activity was something way beyond our our, our dreams of what was a what we, what we would have to do and b also what was possible but like all uh, I suppose people Australians are well known for getting in and digging in and doing it and uh, we did do that and uh, I think that um, one of the one of the great things that came out of this uh, this this whole event and I think we can all re relate to this that when you're part of something that's greater than yourself. Uh, it lifts everyone, and uh, as, a, as a creative director of the games, I stood on the shoulders of the giants of our design team. It lifted me, lifted them, and uh, the outcome was extraordinary. And one of the interesting aspects about this, from a brand point of view, and we always think about our customer when you're talking about brand. So your listeners there will have businesses, and I'd be saying to them, "Well, think about your customer." And here we had an, an interesting dynamic, and in that the customer was a global audience. As designers we had to learn that that was the global audience to, to, to put Australia on the map and using icons like uh, uh, the boomerang which is uh, you know, a classic uh, icon of Australia, Australian indigenous, uh, indigenous people which is also symbolic of our nation, putting that into a little graphic that would then become understandable to the, not only to the person in the street, the public, but also from an international point of view was, a, was quite a challenge and I think that 
in some respects it has been regarded as being a little bit of a cliche, but for the, the most important thing for the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games was that it actually spoke to the world. It wasn't just speaking to Australians. And I think that's an interesting sort of anecdote that, um, that we should reflect upon. One of the aspects about the Games identity itself was the first time that script uh, was used uh, for, the, uh, for, for the brand mark itself. The rings were uh, the hallowed uh, icon which should never be tampered with and so they were, they were kept clear and then there's a little running man which was about because it was the athletes games. Mm. Also need, it's, it's hard to remember, it's, it's, uh, it's 19 years ago, uh, what the Olympics were. We, the, we didn't have Apple iPhones. Uh, we did. Uh, we took. We sent when we went up there. We sent people with box uh, Kodak uh, cameras and things to take photographs, <laughs> etc. It sort of seems like a, an anathema now. Um, some people probably didn't know what a Kodak box camera was, but that was the sort of uh, what we were working with. It was the first time that the um, Olympic Games work was done on digital, and we did all our work. Inter interestingly, we did most of the work from Melbourne and shipped it up to Sydney, um, where we had our design team up there. It actually, uh, it actually sort of uh, was a really life-changing life-changing project, I think, for everyone who was involved with that personally and professionally. So, sorry, just looking at that, I mean, we, we obviously know the Olympic rings can never be tampered with, uh, but the running man made out of three boomerangs, and then above that, of course, you've got uh, the iconic opera house. So, you got the boomerang, which is iconic Australian, nowhere else in the yeah. world, and of course, yeah. the um, everyone knows Sydney Harbour knows two yeah. things, the yeah. Sydney Harbour Bridge, and there's lots of bridges, yeah. but there's the Sydney Harbour Bridge and of course the Opera House is only one yeah. Um, yeah. Opera House anywhere yeah. in the world. Yeah. So those, the Boomerang and the Opera House, two iconic Australian uh, yeah. symbols, obviously yeah. one of them being very iconic yeah. in Sydney too. Yeah. Well look, I think if, you, if, if the designers were looking at this particular brand mark, they might have their own views of, well, was it, does it, did it reflect contemporary Australia? Did it reflect the sort of the quality of design that you might see in other aspects? And in some ways, it is a bunch of cliches just thrown together into a little picture. Yeah. But that's so important, though, because at a, putting cliches and putting them into a different, into a different uh, context is very memorable. And so this is this this also this mark had to transform uh, transcend all languages and cultures yeah. and borders had to be registered all around the world. Yep. And um, that is something that we had to take account of when we when we did this. And that mark is a result of hundreds of little drawings and scribbles and things that we were doing until we got to this right this this point. Yeah. Well, do you want to drill down on that? I guess the question is why is a brand important when looking at the Olympic Games? Yeah. You know, why is that brand important? Well, for the, 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 the Olympic Games is perhaps a brand that actually is so, transcends all the others. I mean, it is, is so completely um, huge in its impact and you can't really just put your normal matrix over the Olympic brand because it had to speak to so many audiences and do so many things. But I think the, 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 the key factor about brand is does it make a difference? Is it distinctive? And is it memorable? And does it stand out in the marketplace? And I always say to a uh, simple formula, uh, for brand, in my view, uh, is who are you, uh, what problem do you solve, and why does it matter? Mm. If you had those three things and you looked at your identity, any business person looking at the business, that's what, how, you should, how you should look at uh, your, your, your company and the brand identity, and that's, where, that's why just having a logo, it's not, it's not about the logo, it's actually about the infrastructure behind that brand mark. What, why did that brand mark get created like that? It has to have that story behind it. And, and how do you drill down and find that story of a company? 
Well, you go through a strategic process. Uh, you know, this is not just buying something off the shelf. This is actually going and interviewing. And most of the times with these uh, with these sort of acti activities, we work on a, usually on a historical nature. It's, it's quite it's great if there's a brand new uh, company being created that you uh, can start from a greenfield. But most often you're taking something from where it is today to where it needs to be tomorrow. Mm. And I think that's a really important aspect across all businesses: is where are you, where are you today? And where, where do you need to be or where, where should you be? And, you know, this is like working on your business and in your business. And um, it's very funny when we, I look, talk about all this sort of work because I'm thinking about my own business and thinking about how I'm so immersed in my business. But when I'm actually out there talking to my client, our clients, I talk about well, where, you know, how, how they should they be positioned and how, how, can, how can they maximise the, the opportunity of the customers that they have. And I think that's such, such a critical aspect is this where you are now, where do you want to be and how do you get there? So there's a, there's a maxim that we use is, you know, we cannot change our history. We can shape who we wish to become and we can be the future that we've defined. And I think that, that type of approach is something you can do on a whiteboard and you can set that out and it's a great pathway for all businesses. And, and shaping where you want to be is really, really difficult, particularly in this time uh, where things are so fast moving. So I would sort of say, but you need to sort of think about, well, where could you imagine yourself being in three to five years? So brand is all about optimism. It's all about uh, capturing, uh, capturing ideas and visions and the mission of where a business wants to go. And you know, if, you look, if everyone looked at their own businesses, it would have started as a seed of an idea. And I was thinking about this meeting today and how could I put it into context. Most businesses would start, and you can even go from uh, things, um, some of these big, like even a BHP, a BHP uh, business, massive business, one of Australia's largest business, it would have started off at some point in time when the two people got together and had a discussion and they created the starting point for that business. Let's buy a shovel and dig here in Broken Hill. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah right, that's dig here. Started, but I mean, it yeah. could be, uh, I remember um, listening to um, Mr Forrest talking about Fortescue and he mm. and his wife sitting across the table in the kitchen table and talking about where they want their business to be. Yeah. Now, you know, people sit and it's a seed of an idea. And then how do you clothe that, so how do you nurture that seed of the idea? How do you give it the nurturing around it to actually put it so it grows its roots and it starts growing as a tree into something really magnificent? Now, mm. these are sort of cliche uh, metaphors and things, but they're very important for people to see their businesses. That's what it's like. And then that attracts, you have something which is attractive. It attracts good people. Good people build businesses. And, 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 that, and that's where brand is so important because the brand is not the logo, the brand is all the processes that you go through to actually create a living entity that's ever changing, but it never should ever lose its original values or the values that drive that brand and, and identity of how that brand is expressed is so critical. And I was thinking, thinking about this as a, a series of dots and all the dots just line up and so you, in the end you just have one pearl and you throw them all together and you have a string of pearls, that's all your touch points of your brand and the, that's the sort of job the role that a, that a company like ourselves does is put it into context, to try and find all the touch points, find the singular, uh, the singular um, driving statement that underpins what a brand's all about. Then design something that reflects that, and then that, and which is also underpinned with a narrative. Every brand must have a narrative. I, I, I would challenge um, a lot of your listeners to sort of think about if someone asked you at the barbecue, you know, what do you do, and why does it matter? probably be pretty challenged to actually probably answer that in a very simple, succinct way. Uh, I think that's, 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 a, that's a sort of like a calling card to say, well, you better start thinking about that because how are you going to attract really great people if you don't know who you are and where you're going? Mm. 
and there's lots of look a lot of this conversation I'm having can be picked up in um, inspirational quotes and things like that but it is quite quite true that you could have these simple simple processes of thinking who you are what what, what problem do you solve and why does it matter yep. uh, that's that's I suppose the the, 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 the antithesis of it and I think the other thing to say here is that you know in today's world you know imagination is a force for attraction okay it's absolutely critical to have imagination because everything is a level playing field now so how can you be different you have to do that through imagination and different way of doing things that's a very very important aspect about brand so when you see people who are buying sort of logos off websites for 90 dollars etc <laughs> it really doesn't do justice to the process of what a company needs to do in terms of reorganizing themselves in an imaginative way to be match fit for the future and I think in Australia, we are constantly being made aware of it, the, the need to be competitive. That actually drifts down into in every business in any environment here. Uh, they have to be competitive. When you get down to certain things like when price, product and service is the same, what are going to be the differences? The differences are going to be really wrapped up in your brand. Yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? Because you speak about the importance of a company understanding what they do and our uh, importance of what we do. You're a client of mine, so you know that. Uh, but it's we put the right amount of money, give the right amount of money to the right person at the right time, tax effectively. Yeah. You know, so it's um, unfortunately that could be because of insurance claims. Uh, more fortunately, it could be due to saving for retirement. So it's, um, but we understand exactly what the importance is of what we do. But. It's interesting that when you go through this, and can I, can I actually touch on something else then? Something that's dear to my heart is we do quite a lot of work with uh, returned servicemen and veterans, uh, or even current serving, serving uh, um, army personnel, and you did the branding for the Invictus Games uh, yeah. last year. That was last year, wasn't it, the Invictus last Games? Year, yeah. Um, and I know your story behind that and, and dealing with a lot of these ex-servicemen who do suffer post-traumatic stress disorder, mm -hmm. PTSD, uh, and who have suffered from horrific injuries. Uh, sometimes you don't see those injuries on the surface like they still might have all four limbs, mm -hmm. but you know they've got horrific physical injuries as well that you don't necessarily see. But the work you did with Invictus Games was uh, quite inspiring. Can you give us a bit of background on that as well? Yeah, well, that's a great uh, segue from the Sydney 2000 Olympics. So, yeah. you know, last year, 2018, so 18 years later, we were involved with another major international games activity. And we were introduced to that project because we had understood how, how to do a games uh, identity and also had the experience. I can't say that I'd actually been totally immersed in the, uh, the product in terms of the, the culture of the Invictus Games, but I did get to meet a lot of the people I was on the original team. And I'm not a sports person, so I can look at these a little bit more objectively. But how, how, our, our um, opportunity and also our responsibility was to try and bring uh, this, this incredibly difficult uh, issue for the people that suffer from PTSD or have been wounded uh, in, in, in warfare, in action, uh, honour them by creating an identity program that actually sort of got cut through and, and was able to actually attract a wider audience to, to have focus upon this incredibly important part of our society. And uh, I, I, 
was actually at a function recently where they, uh, they were celebrating uh, Lone Pine and they were, I was reminded that when the people came back from the First World War there were 400,000 people that were actually affected by PTSD. So there's this, this and, and we know out there in society today that this stress factor is a really, really big problem. It's called so, shell shock back then. Yeah, it was shell shock, exactly. Yeah. It was shell shock back then. Mm. Now, and also to make this something which people can talk about and can be aware of and actually have a, have a, have a, have an understanding of the difficulties that people have in their society and the families that have to that, that are that are confronted with this and then work through it. On the other hand, it's an incredibly optimistic story in most cases where people have have gone through this and survived and 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 prospered. But this, the problem with these things is that it lives with you forever. I was remembering once talking to uh, when we did the grief and bereavement identity program many years ago. The, the CEO of that said that uh, an interesting anecdote. The CEO said we all carry grief. Just just depends on how big the shadow is in our heart. And I think that's the same sort of thing with the with the with the um, veterans from from uh, from from warfare that that are, that are in our society, and also other people that are that are not necessarily haven't, haven't actually seen action, but still have this, these same sort of issues they're dealing with. Now, you know, there's that anecdote, in, there's that that's that reflection in terms of something very serious from a social point of view that we were involved in, we were able to use design to bring that to people's attention and to do something which was graphically very, in a way, aesthetically beautiful but also very effective for cut through and gave them a sense of ownership and a pride factor that they would that the participants and the, the, the competitors were actually able to uh, feel that they owned. But just as an anecdote in terms of how does sometimes people want to know, well, how did you come up with that idea? How did you come up with an idea with something like this? Well, mm. we were researching this and we saw an interview between uh, uh, Prince Harry and uh, Kylie Minogue, a little a YouTube grab, and they actually said, I think it was um, Harry who said it's uh, uh, it's uh, we're going down down under, and I think Kylie said, "Well, hey, hey, uh, Prince Harry, it's game on." And so we saw that as an opportunity to put those two words together, and we just turned the uh, down under upside down, so that uh, uh, was the old cliche of down under, so mm. it's reversed. And the idea of putting game on down under together, a was a call to action, and it was a sort of like it was a rallying point, and b from a graphic point of view, it became a unique little icon that they could own, and therefore, when they own it, it becomes an asset, then they becomes have some something of value. And as I said to the CEO, um, Patrick uh, Kidd, at the time, I said, Patrick, do you realise really what sort of assets you've got here? Because A, you loved it, because the first time you saw it, you smiled. B, your organising committee loved it. The board in Australia loved it. The Invictus Games uh, people in London loved it. And when I'm through into Kensington Palace, I believe uh, Prince Harry loved it as well. So all gates were open to you and then allowed you to have a brand mark which was quintessentially Australian. No one else could say Game On Down Under anywhere in the world. And you got, your, uh, you got, a, you got a brand that actually um, uh, was endorsed and loved by the, 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 the competitors and their families and the associated stakeholders. And also uh, you had an asset that you could actually then on sell to sponsors and things like that. It was interesting, Richard, because, I mean, the Sydney Olympics was, it was obviously based in Sydney, but it was an Australian Olympic Games. And I travelled up to Sydney uh, to see several events um, all over the space of a few days, which was just magnificent. You know, it's, um, it's still, I, di I didn't get to see Kathy Freeman live, but, you know, so that would have been magnificent as well. But people from all around the world travelled to Sydney for that. But it was interesting, it was the same with the Invictus Games. I mean, we were obviously Melbourne based Invictus Games were in Sydney, but all of our trams were plastered with your brand. Yeah. The yeah. brand that you actually yeah. did for the Invictus yeah. Games. A lot of people did travel up to Sydney to see these amazing humans, you know, so who 
might have once upon a time been in Afghanistan, now they're in a wheelchair, yeah. uh, missing yeah. a leg, yeah. playing basketball yeah. as competitive as anyone that you could ever oh, yeah. see. Yeah, so the greatest competitors, the same with the Paralympics and the Games, they're yeah. the greatest competitors, and you know it's it's against all odds uh, that these guys do this. Yeah. But I think also putting it in a little bit into context, I mean, it's all we're saying you saw the brand on the trams, yeah, a yeah. brand, something about that would have been on the trams anyway. All we did was actually give it a sense of cut through and some individuality and distinction that was true to the true to the games themselves, true to the athletes and the families that are participating in that, and I suppose helped visibility uh, for sponsorship and things like that. So yeah. we were just giving a giving a in some respects I think brand's all about a business solution. We were just giving a solution to a business opportunity and we created that identity. It's not to say someone else couldn't have created the identity. It just happened that we, we had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And it was very effective. And it, I think the most important thing is it gave that visibility to something which hitherto has probably been a bit uncertain, a bit unsure about. You don't know how to tackle it. Doing it something so graphic as this is where games are so good because it gets the focus, the cameras are on it. Uh, it had, an, as you said, Tony, it had an enormous audience participation and, and viewing from uh, on television um, and the media. Uh, and we were there with that brand. So, and the important thing too, just as a as an asset, the other thing too about all these games is that you need to always have a backdrop so that at any point in time you can see an athlete or something activity. And if you see something to do with the Invictus Games in the back, you know at a certain point in time that's when it happened. Yeah. And these games are so important because there are moments in time they yeah. never they never come back again. The the winners, the losers, the the, the participants, the things that happen, the events that happen, the social interaction that happens. Uh, one moment in time yeah and that's actually the privilege of working on these sort of things because you do capture something at a moment yep. and hopefully what you capture is of good quality and will be lasting yep actually can, can we ask one more about sport one more sport one more sport because you've done you've I'm done any sportsman yeah. 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 So you're, you're not but we are you know that so it's um, well, i think this, the next one talks about sort of how one brand can sort of go through the roots of a company and extend to sort of the entire yeah. company in different ways. Something that's, you know, close to our heart being uh, Cricket Australia. And we are speaking okay. about it prior and, you know, how it was done and why it was done and the battle, as you as you called it. But can, can we talk about Cricket Australia? Yeah, well, Cricket Australia was uh, a, a brand campaign which is really about coordination and bringing all the states together uh, in, in, in under one particular banner, which is the or badge. They all, they, yeah, they all play the Shield final. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They play for the Shield in the yeah. state cricket. So we've got all these different uh, uh, events happening and there's lots of agendas. One of the things about sport, which is always interesting, there's the heritage of sport. And there's a lot of people involved in, in these sporting bodies that are there because of uh, commitments and efforts and etc. They're not necessarily always there as a, a as an organization who would employ the best they they they're not i'm not saying they're not the best it's yeah. just that they come together because of a passion yeah so what you have to do is take the thing is is to match passion with a, a business model uh which the cricket australia model was all about and then actually giving something that has a, that fits to a business plan and then then has an opportunity to stand alone and be an icon of which everything can be associated with so the the, the story of cricket australia is really what, what how could we find that unique icon and we did go to the thing of the battleground so it is the shield mm. and it is we only just witnessed the last the test you know, yeah. of the of the passion the ashes. <laughs> ashes were people staying up you know watching that and being and and, and the the the, the um, the, the, the passions and the, the, the enthusiasm of everyone about that particular game. But then it's, 
most importantly, it's not just about that. It's about all the sponsors and everyone else that can come to and, and feel comfortable under the one under the one brand mark. So that shield then became the shape of which all other uh, participants in the Cricket Australia um, family are then associated with. So that shield becomes the overall frame, and everything goes inside that. So it's actually it is a it is a beautiful uh, identity because it's actually a picture. Uh, it's the hallowed turf. Uh, it's the sound of uh, you know the um, the willow and the and the and leather, and there's the Southern Cross and the sort of the action down there on the uh, at, 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 on the pitch uh, of the battle of between two competing teams, and more and more and more it's becoming like that, which is sport is becoming so theatrical and uh, and and uh, very a theatre of um, a theatre performance, and I think that that mark uh, is so distinctive and it's also timeless. Yeah, and people can look in that mark for a young and old can look in that mark and see something that they can take out of and be proud of and definitely quintessential Australian the, the green the baggy green cap yep. uh, all encapsulated in that one mark now that's that, that's there's a lot of people involved with something like that but that outcome the value of that you try and put the value of what that badge is worth in terms of its uh, of its association it's the commitment the passion the memories uh, etc I mean they're, they're, they're almost become invaluable Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely it is. So it's a so an next story that I guess we're going to move on to, and I found it pretty funny. Is you thinking on your feet, and you, you I, said, I think you use the antidote. Um, what's your favourite dinner story? Yeah. So <laughs> we're, we're going to move on to another. I, I guess it's a bit of an iconic brand, especially Victoria, really. Yeah. But in Melbourne, um, Crown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I wanted to touch on the meeting that you had with them and how you actually got to the idea behind this design. Yeah. Well, Crown again is a team effort. Uh, we were working on Crown when it was still a hole in the ground. I remember sitting in the ca- standing in the car park, uh, which was with, with dredges and things around it, cranes uh, uh, creating the creating the building. And Crown's a, a little bit contentious, uh, and but I think that in terms of what it has brought, in terms of the larger picture of being the world of entertainment in Melbourne and how it set us a benchmark for uh, entertainment uh, places anywhere in the world, I think it's pretty outstanding. Yeah. And if you still walk down there today, the quality of the architecture, the quality of the builders is, is remarkable and still looks as good as it was, uh, um, you know, and it's nearly 15, no, nearly 20 years, over 20 years ago now. Um, we, we, Did uh, you work with the architects at all? Yeah, Bates Smart and yeah, Daryl Jackson. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, Bates yeah, were clients of yeah, mine for many yeah, years. Bates uh, Smart and, uh, yeah, and, and again, just down in the Oracle building, yeah, actually, who's yeah. another client of yours. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah um, Well, actually, yeah. started my business off in uh, in, uh, in in the Oracle building oh, with uh, Bates Smart. They, oh, there you go. They, okay. they, uh, they uh, rented me a couple of desks in there when I first started. So. Oh, Robert uh, Bruce was chairman at the time, was uh, he? I'm not sure whether he was the chairman, but Roger Poole was there. Oh, Roger Poole was there as chairman, yeah. Roger's been there forever. My mentor down those days. Yep. But look, I think also it's a reflection of um, really how that so many practices and businesses were involved with Crown, and Crown provided a fantastic opportunity for creativity. We've got to remember that some of these people that are involved, so Lloyd Williams, for example, uh, they actually helped create outcomes for practices that were looking were able not only looking for great opportunities but able to to do these fantastic jobs locally. So many, you've got to remember that it's only a few decades ago that everyone was saying that you could, if you were Australian, you couldn't actually do a lot of this sort of work. Yeah. Uh, particularly with the Sydney 2000 Olympics, they wanted to bring an American firm in to actually handle the whole identity program. And to the to the credit of the uh, SOCOG, uh, the the organising committee, they said it's, it's got to be Australian. And we were actually even warned as a, as a, as a, as a, as a practice, as if you get connected with anything international, that's we aren't going to work with you. It yeah. has to be an Australian outcome. And and here's Crown's a great example of. You know, we need more people like this to do these sort of things in this country that actually will actually 
put their money where their mouth is and back and create something because out of that create creative idea, again, let's talk about, I mentioned before about a brand idea or a business idea, out of an idea creates a huge um, a ripple system and a trickling system of all sorts of people being involved on the passion of an idea. And when you have a CEO like Lloyd Williams who is managing that, 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 now sure, these guys are not easy to deal with and they all have their own personalities and their own drivers, but actually at the end of the day, they're here about a legacy of significance. And businesses like us can, can, can work with that. I love that sort of idea of significance and I love the idea of legacy. And we have a legacy brand mark here that is the value of that mark, you couldn't put a, couldn't put a price on it. And that, that uh, it, it's, it's interesting because the word crown uh, obviously presupposes that it would need to have something to do with a crown, so a crown <laughs> existed there. We had done, uh, we won that project, uh, the team, and we were uh, working on, on, the, on, on, the, on the gig, and uh, we had done about 20 or 30 different uh, identities with the, with the picture of crown, but we couldn't get uh, the chairman, uh, Lloyd Williams, to uh, embrace it. And we're at a meeting one day, and I can still, I can still remember, see it right now, we're in uh, East Melbourne, uh, the chairman was there, uh, my other partner was there, uh, a couple of other senior guys were at the table and we were struggling and uh, Mr Williams was wearing a, a, a polka dot tie, a blue and white polka dot tie. His racing colours are blue and white and uh, it, just, it just had that moment of looking at the tie and seeing the problem we had and the dots in the tie provided for me a, a visual solution. Now I didn't design that exactly, I didn't sit down and go back home and draw that thing out. The design team did it, but the idea of seeing something as, uh, as simple as, uh, as a pattern on a tie, as a visual person, um, that became the pathway for the solution. And then we had the word crown, and uh, Mr Williams uh, had a particular way that he wanted the W to be uh, represented in the, in the crown, and so we drew, drew the letter forms around the W to make the word crown, and forever in a day, the W of Mr. Williams is in that word crown, um, as has his legacy. Now, there's a little inside story, uh, which is, just shows you how the creative mind works. And I think this is the... This so that's how he did his W in Williams, was that right? That's, 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 a, that was, that was his. that's the way he wanted the W done. Yeah, yep, okay. Okay, so yep. uh, now, you know, this is really where I'm really passionate about the opportunity that people have to work with people who are creative and imaginative and it's not just designers in my field it's designers architecture it's designers interiors uh, etc there's also I believe imagination uh, and probably not something that uh, Kafka and Bond would uh, want to uh, subscribe to using creativity or imagination because uh, we all need to make sure that everything's uh, you know the, the decimals all line up but, but <laughs> commas are in the yeah, right commas place are, yeah, yeah, we can't get creative <laughs> with that yeah. and uh, all you know all the, and, then the, and then the six point type at the bottom of all care and uh, you know no responsibility so but no importantly though you have to use imagination of how you're going to survive and prosper in a very competitive world and we, we use imagination in a very straightforward way because, you know, we're creative. But imagination is also the type of people you bring together on a project. You know, what's the best fit? What, what, how can we get from A to B in the most effective way and get a great, get a great outcome without it costing a, a fortune? Because most people are very worried about people like ourselves are going to cost too much. But what, 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 would, what, would, what value would you put on, the, on a person's, on a designer looking at something and seeing an identity out of someone's tie and then creating a bark with their team, the team put this together and the sweat and tears of the team doing this, the passion and the craft, the beautiful craft of that, 
what value can you put on that? You yeah. can't put a value on it. No. Yeah. And on the other hand, if you didn't do it that way, if you didn't have the right sort of person doing it, what's the result would you have? Now, we'll never know that because this is the result we've got. Yeah. But I, I, I like to ask those sort of questions. And one of the aspects that we find here, struggling here all the time, is the, the, the value of something that has to have a monetary price to it and the outcome of that thing and what it will do for the longer term. Now, I've got a job at the moment working with a, a hotel group where uh, they're, they're having a struggle with the, f the fee structure to create a narrative and a campaign for them to increase their patronage in the, patronage in the hotel. They're struggling with that. On the other hand, if I'm in the hotel, and this is absolutely fair enough, the, the inside the hotel, there's been no expense spared to the interior design. There's been no expense spared in terms of the Italian light fittings or whatever that they mm. have. But when it comes to what we could do to actually bring customers to actually help pay for that and fill their and make, make a bound not only make their hotel bountiful but actually get impact and visibility out in the marketplace they, they're not prepared to put a put a fee structure on that because they think it's too expensive but i could look at the light fitting and say well what's the point of having a twenty thousand dollar light fitting if there's no one sitting underneath <laughs> that can enjoy the light exactly right so yeah. you know and i mean this is me you give me an opportunity to be on a soapbox here, yes, so I'm yeah. talking about this. Absolutely. Uh, and it's only, it's coming straight off the bat. I don't have a, hit, there's no agenda here. Yeah. But my point is, you need to look at the impact of what, what, what creative people can do for you and, and uh, the, the, legacy, the, the, the potential that, this can, that this, this can bring to your business in terms of exposure, point of difference, and your story being seen and heard. Uh, now, the... The, the, the thing for, or the challenge for all, all people wanting to engage with people like uh, ourselves, and there are lots of fantastic firms in Australia that can do the work we do, is just going through the process of selecting someone, committing to them, uh, having a, uh, a, a loyalty, because uh, loyalty works both ways for a consultancy, mm -hmm. and going to a place where the, uh, the client thinks they are going, where, where we as a consultancy could see them going, but where we go together, which is usually a third point. Yeah. And you can't, so if you, when you started off, going back to the, um, the crown uh, example, you could start off on the, pro, pro, on the, on the principle that you're going to do some great job for this, uh, this client. You can, talk on the, you can talk on the thing, oh, we're going to do a crown, but how do you know that you're ever going to end up with that result until you're actually working together and actually there's a sort of this camaraderie and you're sitting in, a, in an intimate boardroom situation you're talking and you see something and suddenly you do that. Now, you can't do that unless you have that sort of relationship. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was... I think also people, sort of in some respects, your listeners need to understand too. There's a there's a great sense of vulnerability in this, because you're charged with a lot of responsibility, and you know I think and talk to my our, the team. We talk about our team the the uh, tyranny the tyranny of the white page. You know where do you start? How do you actually get to a point where you can actually create something? How do you create that image? And we all we, in our office, and I'm sure in any other creative office, we all want to aspire to the best. So you put these challenges to yourself of what you've got to try and achieve, but you've got no man's land in the centre there of how do you start, and in the process of starting, you're starting to put it together. And I suppose the easiest way to think about a dinner party, you, know, you want to invite your guests, you've got the right table, people around, you're going to prepare a meal, you've got the guests coming, you've got to get everything set right, and the, but there's a moment in time where things actually could be chaotic, it could be great, it could be a disaster, and there's that nervous anxiousness, and we all know... <laughs> if we've been in uh, developing dinner parties together in families, of yeah. the tension that can happen out of that. So you imagine that when we're getting paid for a job like this and we've got our responsibility, we've won that job, the, the pressure that's felt to actually achieve something and you've actually got to steel yourself. And I suppose one of the things that 
I could say about my own my own career is that after a while you actually do have the mental strength to be able to, to, to actually handle the um, the demons of self doubt and vulnerability that you have as you go through this process, uh, and then you have a great team around you who who are supportive and actually at the end of the day they deliver. A guy like myself is only just there to help many things, but the, it's the team you're working with that, that deliver the outcomes. And one of the, one of the sort of proud things I look at and looking at the sheet of brand marks we've done, I can see so many names of so many people, the echoes of the of voices and moments of the team working together on these jobs to deliver. And uh, and I think that's that, that 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 fills me with tremendous pride. I think you know when it comes to the branding side, there's there's a range of things that we look at, and that is sometimes we take for granted when, as I said, you, you're walking around the city. So we like to go to the uh, the art centre quite a lot to see shows and things like that and you look across the Yarra and you see the names in all the buildings and you look at your uh, sheet here and you've done a, you know, a high majority of those names but these are brands that everyone identifies with and, and I suppose this, this is from an Australian level I mean the Sydney Olympics is certainly global and even things like Invictus is global Paralympics, uh, Melbourne 2006 Commonwealth Games you've got a lot of global stuff there in the Cricket Australia but the, I think from you know, on a global scale there's, there's brands that people identify with you know the Coca-Cola ribbon everyone knows yeah. and will always know the, the Nike swoosh yeah. everyone knows yeah. uh, the Adidas three stripes everyone knows so these are iconic brands um, but there's so many iconic brands here as well yeah, I mean, that, you're quite right, Tony. And what people do, you see, they use brands as a visual language. Yeah. It's a, it's a tribal thing. So, you, you, you know, in my, in my own home, you can have one that's, a, one that's an Adidas person and yeah. another one who's, in, who's, a, who's a Puma person, okay? Yes. So one of, one, of the, one, of the, one of the boys won't They're two competing like, yeah. brothers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so but, but, but it's, just, it's just a visual, yeah. a visual thing. Now, they'll see, for example, the Adidas Three Stripes. You can see from you know fifty paces away. You know exactly that brand. You know all the stories yep. and the people connected with that. Same with um, obviously with um, uh, with uh, uh, other brands. I mean, for example, if you're an international traveller and you're trying to find a safe port back to get to Australia, you see the red uh, red triangle. You don't have to see the kangaroo, and you know that's Qantas. Okay? Yeah. Now that's just something. It's so important because they become navigational points out in the landscape and reassurances. Yeah. But that's that's. I know who they are. I know what they represent. And I, and, and I know what to expect. And that's a and because of the movie Rain Man, we know they're safe. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, but, but, that, but that converts into commercial value. That's a value. It's not only value from a monetary point of view, it's a value from society's point of comfort, of, of easing the journey, of making things, uh, making things more, more, more understandable in a world that's getting more and more chaotic. Yeah. Richard, can we, can we close on the Royal Children's Hospital? I think that's... Uh, with the Royal Children's Hospital, that the new branding that you've done there. Um, I remember going to the Royal Children's Hospital as a kid and it was horrible on the inside and it was their very 50s style, was little green seats and it was uncomfortable to wait mm. there and, and it was a cream brick building. Um, and you have a look at it now with all the redevelopment, the amount of money that's gone into it, etc. What was the, what was the story behind the Royal Children's Hospital rebranding? Um, go, you know, going to a place which is which can have some pretty horrible outcomes for for yeah. people, yeah. but is actually more welcoming nowadays yeah. in respect to the yeah. that as well. So, well, we were we were engaged when the building had really been pretty well designed, yeah, and, and the place and the design of the architect of the building was by, by Bates Smart, yeah. 
Um, and the whole idea there was that it was a, a hospital in a park and a park in a hospital. Yeah. Okay, so if you look at the exterior of the hospital with the arced window treatments, uh, you can see the sort of the organic shapes of leaves, etc., the colours, etc., there in the building. And th th that was really an outcome from the brand mark where we created this little figure of a, of a, a figure in a, in a, in a, in a uh, tree setting, if you like, with the, with the topography of the Royal Children's Hospital Melbourne. Yeah. The, the great, great thing about that mark was that, first of all, it, it, it provided a, uh, an intelligent and eloquent s statement about optimism and life, uh, because all hospitals, as you said before, do have its sad and its tragic part of it, but they also have a huge amount of optimism, and the Absolutely. people working in these hospitals work for a particular passion and again going through the sporting analogy they work in these places and create these places because it's greater than themselves yeah. uh, and we ha I had the opportunity of going and meet, meeting a lot of the um, a lot of the surgeons and uh, from from people who are who are doing the um, uh, knitting the um, booties and things down the, the down the lobby up into the people dealing with some really some difficult issues and I remember with the with the head surgeon there talking to him and one one thing that struck me really with this whole project was that he said when I'm operating on children uh, in their early teens or young I have to think about how their bodies will be when they're 18 and 20 years old and I thought that was a really incredible thing and what a gift for to, to be a surgeon to be thinking about that and how you're going to structure someone when they're, when they're in, a, in a very serious situation how they will be post-surgery of course but in their post in their life. I think the great thing about the Royal Children's Hospital is that it helped make the whole human it really was a again with all our work, I'm a really great believer in, in, in contributing good design to, to respect and honour the quality of the people that are actually involved in all these jobs and, and career, career things they do or sporting activities, to honour that by giving them the best quality design outcome they can have uh, and, to give, and to create meaning because yeah. uh, everything's about meaning. And, uh, and to, to, to leave a, a legacy that says, actually, uh, you know, the greatest thing you can have with brands is someone says, I just love that, I, w I wouldn't mind wearing that. That's a really, uh, really great relationship. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's, and the opportunity too, you know, we, we're talking here about, you know, a lot of work and it's great that we're talking about just the opportunity to help uh, organisations communicate better. And a lot of these organisations, we always think of the external, but think of the internal point of, of getting uh, the hospital brand that, that makes it all more comfortable. As I said before, the staff are respected. And from an international point of view, this little mark stands out amongst all the other hospitals. It's unique because it's, it's the location of the hospital is unique. And so there's a sense of ownership. And again, with the ownership comes value. With value comes, uh, comes uh, you know, sort of the, 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 the endorsement of the quality of the place. And, uh, and so you're left with this little mark, little marks that we've got here are the, um, if you like, the lighthouses of incredibly deep and meaningful stories. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, um, I, I just think your work is tremendous, but understanding the amount of work that be, goes on to get to these yeah. outcomes is just sensational, Richard, it really is. So it's, um, you've, you've, you, know, I've, you know, I've got your book here uh, in front of me, which you, which, uh, you very kindly gave to me uh, last year, um, which, just, which we actually have on our reception desk. Interestingly enough, next to Bates Smart, <laughs> so their book and all their iconic yeah, buildings yeah. as well. Um, so it's uh, too, but it's it's you know you, you have done some of the most iconic work in Australia, 
and it's an absolute privilege to have you here. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much, Richard. Yeah, thank yeah, you very much. Gag. Boys, I appreciated <laughs> it, and also I hope that um, it just sh- sheds a little bit of light for, for your listeners on the quality of creativity and not just about what I've been fortunate to work on, but what all creative people uh, uh, do uh, in terms of their contribution to, yeah. to business. And we will put a link in our email that goes out to Richard's website as yep. well uh, for our clients, our SME clients, uh, so they can contact you direct uh, if needs be too. And, you know, hopefully in the future, Richard will also have you on stage with a whole, in front of a whole bunch of SME clients as well. Tony, uh, you guys... You guys have been absolutely fantastic for me. Anything I can do to help you. Uh, the great thing about you, Tony, and your team is that you're very, always accessible, always compassionate, and uh, and always wanting to um, add value, which is really greatly appreciated. And so easy to do when we have clients like you. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Well, we love each other. <laughs> Thank you.